It's barely even mid-January, and we might have already had the most consequential TV drama of the year. They're not calling me a thief. They wouldn't dare. They say money's somehow gone missing from this branch, which it hasn't, and I have to pay it back, which I won't. So I say, prove it. Prove that I'm wrong and you're right. The papers have been full of it for years, but ITV's Mr Bates versus the Post Office put the gripping, troubling tale firmly in the spotlight. The post office scandal has been brewing for more than a decade, but it's taken an ITV drama to really get everyone appropriately outraged. Why is that? Mr. Bates versus the post office tells the shocking, true story of hundreds of innocent post office operators wrongly accused and some sent to prison for theft and fraud. We've had Westminster up in arms. Mr. Speaker, this is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. People who worked hard to serve their communities have their lives and their reputations destroyed through absolutely no fault of their own. The victims must get justice and compensation. A CBE returned to sender. Paula Vennels, the former CEO of the post office, says she's handing back her CBE with immediate effect. There's been growing pressure for her to give back the honour over the Horizon IT scandal, including a petition that reached 1.2 million signatures. And a renewed effort to clear the names and compensate the hundreds of postmasters wrongly convicted. I can therefore announce that we intend to bring forward legislation as soon as we can to overturn the convictions of all those convicted in England or Wales on the basis of post office evidence given during the Horizon scandal. Is this justice sorted, albeit delivered late? And what remains for the official inquiry which returns today? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, the post office scandal, how a TV drama delivered justice. So I'm Tom Witherer. I'm a news and special projects reporter at The Times. I've been covering the post office story for about six years, first in my old job at the Daily Mail, where we ran a campaign for postmasters, and lastly at The Times, which has picked up the story very strongly. And isn't it interesting that even though people like you have been covering this story for ages, this drama on ITV has really set the public mood alight? The computer system post office spent an arm and a leg on is faulty. No one else has ever reported any problems with Horizon. No one. You're responsible for the loss. I haven't got that money and I don't know where it's gone. Yeah, I mean, I've been joking with colleagues who have been covering it even longer than than I have because this story first hit the newspapers while I was doing my (laughs) A-levels. But... The drama's done more than 10 years of journalism has. Of course, the drama wouldn't be possible without those 10 years of journalism. And, you know, everything in the, that was in the drama happened in real life and, you know, had to be dug out by investigative journalists. So, mm. And it's interesting how quickly it's gone from public outcry to politicians trying to do something, looking like they're doing something. What have we seen? So in the past week, we've seen a flurry of activity in Parliament with ministers making statements. The post office scandal is one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in our nation's history. 
shaking people's faith in the principles of equity and fairness that form the core pillars of our legal system. The Prime Minister has been challenged on some of these points at events by journalists and members of the public. Uh, Now, these things obviously started a very long time ago, and it's right that they're looked at properly. And the stories are appalling. People were treated absolutely appallingly. That's wrong, and we should do everything we can to make it right. This week, they're trying to deal with one of the knottiest issues in the scandal, which is how do we get the uh, 900-odd wrongful convictions that took place between 1999 and 2015 overturned? In roughly three years, they've managed to do 93, but the pace is slowing. Postmasters have to come forward themselves Mm. to the Courts of Appeal to get their convictions overturned. Many are not keen there. Elderly, they feel like they've run out of energy. They don't want to face another courtroom, um, understandably. So the political pressure from the drama, it really does require that will from politicians. Rewind for us. The core of this entire issue is this IT system, which was rolled out in post offices, Horizon. What was that? When did all that happen? How did it come about? Yeah, when Horizon was installed across what was then 20,000 post offices, it was Tony Blair was the Prime Minister. We've seen documents here. He'll have been doing, what, GCSEs? (laughs) Sort of what we've been doing. primary school. Okay, primary school, good. This was 1998. (laughs) Okay. He signed it off. It was a billion pounds, which is a lot of money back then. Mm. It was the biggest IT project outside the military, I think. Gosh. 20,000 post offices, and it was being installed by Fujitsu, or a, a, a British subsidiary of Fujitsu, the Japanese technology giant. And so that started to be rolled out in 2000, 2001. Postmasters were given these sort of terminals, which, you know, they would look very 2001 to us now, big mm-hmm. buttons and, and so on. And they were trained in these things. A helpline was set up to supposedly help them, but pretty much immediately shortfalls and started appearing for no reason. Postmasters couldn't explain why money was supposedly missing. And when you say shortfalls, how did that appear? Yeah, so this was really effectively shown in the drama in the case of Joe Hamilton, mm. um, who was a postmistress in Hampshire. Hi, uh, it's Joe Hamilton here from South Warnborough. I'm trying to produce this week's cash account. And in some cases, they would get to their balancing day on a Wednesday and they would be inputting their stock and how much cash they had in the safe and so on. And they just couldn't get it to balance. They couldn't get what was on the screen to say how much cash and stock they had in the shop. And therefore, something must have been missing, so the computer said. And, you know, there's one very striking moment in the drama where Joe Hamilton presses the screen to to try and, you know, reset the computer and get it to balance, and the the shortfall just doubles. So now, if you redeclare everything, it'll balance, Okay. This is so helpful, thank you. Don't go away, stay with me till I've done it. Oh my god. It it it's it's just doubled right in front of my eyes. Now now it says I'm four thousand pounds down. Mm. And you think, well nothing's changed in the shop, so why on earth is the shortfall doubling on my screen? Mm. So really a terrifying computer says no moment for you know what ended up being thousands of people. And not just computer says no, computer says there's 
hundreds, maybe thousands of pounds missing in what you say you've been doing in terms of business in your post office. How did how did that then spiral then? What happened to some of those people? Under their contracts, they either had to put this money back in, which many did, or they faced some sort of civil action to get it back. Or in the most severe cases, as I said earlier, 900, they were prosecuted and they were taken to court with crimes, on alleged crimes such as false accounting, fraud, mm. theft. And incredibly, the post office are the people who prosecute that. That's not the point where the CPS comes in like we expect with other criminal matters. Yeah, so there's, there's sort of two elements to this. The first one is that the post office has its own investigations team. And I understand that this is sort of a 500-year-old right that they have. When this scandal started, they were part of Royal Mail, which is, was yes. privatised in 2012 and put on the stock market. And so they had their own investigations team, many of whom were ex-coppers. And then they, on the other side, which is you know, a matter of great debate in politics this week, is they were using private prosecutions. Now, private prosecutions are available to all of us hmm. to take something to court if, for whatever reason, the CPS is unwilling to do so. Another example of that is the RSPCA, who take a lot of animal cruelty cases. Hmm. Post office were using this for what they believe were crimes against against the company. Mm. And we now wonder whether they were fulfilling their proper duties as a prosecutor. And it's worth reflecting that this isn't just the post office taking, as you said, sort of 900 or so people to court and giving them a rap on the knuckles or a bit of a fine. People served prison sentences. Some people even took their own lives after after this ordeal. Yeah, so out of those 900 prosecutions... About 750 were by the post office. 200 were by others, including the sort of Scottish Northern Ireland prosecutors. Yes. The CPS did half a dozen. The um, DWP did a few for benefits-related fraud. And yeah, 236 went to jail, we think. One of the people who went through this was Tim Brentnell. He had a shortfall of £22,000 and went to court in 2010. I was prosecuted um, following a, a shortfall of an audit, which they demanded I paid back to avoid a theft charge. And as soon as that was done, they then prosecuted me for false accounting, which I was determined to plead not guilty to because I, I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. But I was advised by my barrister that I'd be standing up in, in Crown Court against the post office, which was the Crown, and with no sort of mountable defence, I'd be found guilty. So it was much much better um, to plead guilty to, to stay out of prison. And as you say, so far we've uncovered four people who it just became too much. The financial straits they were in, the pressure that a, a criminal case puts on you, and they, they took, mm. sadly took their own lives. And also, is it still an unknown as to why, well, well, not necessarily that they took these postmasters to court if they believed that they had stolen money. If you were in the post office, you'd, you'd want to pursue that. But why they did it so vociferously? They really did want to make an example of postmasters who were challenging the Horizon system. The vast majority of them had no basis on which to challenge what was happening to them. They either just paid up or they faced the prosecution. It was only a small number where court challenges were made, High Court and Crown Court, 
people were asking for documents from inside the post office explaining how this computer system could be so solid or whether it was in fact faulty. And we've seen lots of evidence in the inquiry already that they genuinely wanted to make an example of these people to show that it couldn't be done, that if you went to court and did this, you were only extending your jail sentence, increasing your costs. And, you know, there were emails literally celebrating these court victories, most shockingly in the case of Seema Misra, where, you know, she was jailed while pregnant and emails were going around backslapping. We all know now, Tom, that this came out as to the wrongs that were done. But how did we actually get there? How did the various sub-postmasters who were going through this actually end up joining forces and realise what was going on? So postmasters realised that something was wrong pretty early on. We've got sort of newspaper clippings and letters to MPs from as early as 2003 saying, oh, I think it's Horizon. I think that's why we're getting shortfalls. Mm. But they were basically bashed back and nothing happened until 2009 when a trade publication called Computer Weekly... I don't get it myself. (laughs) Exactly. Not one that I was reading during my A-levels. They managed to publish a story against legal threats from the post office, which we obviously are are quite used to legal threats at the times, but for a trade publication, it doesn't have the same resources. It does show the the impact it's had on this this whole scandal is amazing. So they published a story of seven sub-postmasters that included some of the characters in the drama Alan Mm. Bates Joe Hamilton and so on and that basically revealed to postmasters that what they'd been told all along that they were the only ones no one else is experiencing these shortfalls wasn't right Mm. and over time Alan Bates did in fact bring people together in a village hall as it says in the drama and over time that group just grew and grew and grew from a dozen in that first meeting all the way up to hundreds years later. So that pressure from the media led to MPs joining up to represent their constituents. A couple, were again, were in the drama, James Arbuthnot, the Conservative MP, now Lord Arbuthnot. And they started putting pressure on post office bosses as well as ministers. And we've seen this week Ed Davey come under pressure for the way that he handled his communications with campaigners at the time. More on that later. But in terms of Once they've got the public recognition, or at least MPs talking about it and newspapers writing about it, that's one thing. Actually getting the wrong righted is another. So what was the legal route that they had to take? They effectively got left going to the High Court because for many years they weren't getting anywhere. Between about 2010 and 2016, they were going through this process of trying to get an independent investigation. That did eventually happen through a a forensic accountancy firm called Second Sight who came in. And that led into a mediation scheme that made the first attempt to try and bring the two sides together and get some sort of agreement on on the dispute with postmasters in the post office. That collapsed and failed. Postmasters walked out. And two years later, in 2017, they went to the High Court. Through that court hearing, they won a series of kind of judgments And in 2019, the post office capitulated and settled for £58 million. And before they capitulated, the post office were fighting quite a tough game, were they not? I think on any scale, the case was very acrimonious. 
and the post office were accused of using very aggressive tactics to try and effectively outspend the postmasters, which when you think that postmasters clearly, you know, they're not going to be a well-funded legal battle. I mean, any sort of group litigation is quite often like that. And, you know, the most scandalous moment in the in the court case was the post office applied to get the judge to recuse himself. So basically to replace the judge on the grounds that he was biased or unable to fairly judge the case. I mean, it failed, but clearly that was one of the reasons why settlement had to come for the postmasters. They had already fought for two years. Mm. Months were spent on lawyers dealing with this recusal application and eventually, eventually they settled. So the postmasters had a victory, but still there were there were questions to answer. When did we then get this public inquiry? So the great value of the High Court for the postmasters was that they had this judgment in their hands which said Horizon is faulty. There are, I think it was 28 bugs and errors in the system that I can identify, says the judge, and they can definitely cause shortfalls. Mm. And so this unlocked compensation schemes, it unlocked the appeals that we're, you know, we're now still getting through. But it also led to, as you say, the public inquiry. By then, it became clear that prosecutions were not safe, that people had gone to jail wrongly. This is a state-owned company, and really there was no choice Mm. but to get some accountability and to make sure it can't happen again. And you'd think, in a well-oiled system, that that would be the end of the story. But... Just again, give us a flavour about of how many of the prosecutions have we been through again on appeal and how much is still waiting to go through. To go through the numbers, it's 900 prosecutions in total. 93 have been appealed. 53 have either been rejected or withdrawn by the applicant. And so that leaves about 750 who haven't come forward. So under the system before this week, Postmasters had to bring their own appeal forward to either the Criminal Cases Review Commission, which is a sort of government body that acts as a middleman between the appellant and the court, or they, you know, with their own lawyer, would go direct to the appeal courts. Yes. Uh, and basically, they haven't done that. Coming up then, the plan announced by government, how might that work? And what questions remain for Paula Venels, not CBE, and the tech firm behind Horizon, Fujitsu? More from Tom in a moment. This weekend, Time subscribers can catch the latest episode of Inside the Newsroom. It's our new behind-the-scenes series on Apple Podcasts, just for subscribers on the Stories of Our Times feed. This week, it's Times cartoonist Peter Brooks guiding you through his daily schedule. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash bonus podcasts to find out more. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Tom, you've, you've taken us through this long saga about how actually it was uncovered, all the problems with Horizon, and how that contributed to the many, many, many wrongful convictions of, of sub-postmasters by the post office. The ITV drama has had everyone up in arms about it, renewed sense that something should be done. The Prime Minister was in the Commons yesterday announcing a plan. What did he have to say? Yesterday, Rishi Sunak held on to this for Prime Minister's Questions Time, the big announcement of the week, to say that all 750, we assume, convictions from the Horizon system between those years, 1999 and 2015, will be quashed by a single act of parliament, so bypassing the courts. But today I can announce that we will introduce new primary legislation to make sure that those convicted as a result of the Horizon scandal are swiftly exonerated and compensated. And how will that work? So a lot of this is unclear. We've only Mm. got the announcement so far and the details will be fleshed out in the coming days before it returns to the Commons. But the understanding would be that they would set a sort of date period. They would consider which prosecutorial bodies to include in that, whether that's the post office or some of the others, which include the CPS, the DWP and the prosecutors in Northern Ireland and Scotland. Hmm. And then they need to consider how involved the Horizon data must be for it to work. Now, it certainly seems from the announcement that they're going to effectively consider any sort of Horizon data involved in the prosecution so that it is indeed a blanket uh, acquittal. And the problem with the blanket acquittal, I guess, is that there could be, even if it's a teeny tiny number, there could be some people who actually were rightly convicted of fraud or or whatever it was. Are there any safeguards announced to stop that from happening and them having their convictions overturned? Sure. Well, I think inevitably there will have been, you know, real criminals who were convicted of crimes. As you say, we don't know whether it'll be a tiny number. One imagines it wouldn't be too many. Mm. I haven't heard of of anything that has been announced, but what was being considered uh, in the days before Sunak standing up was that the post office or the CPS could effectively put forward cases so that the CPS apply their normal independent tests of evidence and the public interest to decide whether those postmasters would face a retrial and mm. the the proper evidence could be put before a jury with everything we know now about the reliability of the computer system. Yeah. And, um, you know, that would be a, a fair way to ensure that justice happens in both directions. Part of this issue has been that some of these postmasters have just, after years of wading through this, have just not come forward and not wanted to get involved. Is there anything that postmasters have to do or is this just applied to them? So all we ask is that par- as part of their claims of compensation, postmasters sign a statement to the effect they will they did not commit the crimes of which they're accused. Anyone sub- subsequently found to have signed such a statement untruthfully will be putting themselves at risk of prosecution or fraud. And the next question would be then, moving on to compensation, one imagines mm. they would have to come forward and either themselves or through a lawyer get themselves included in the overturned convictions compensation scheme, which is already up and running and has paid final compensation to about two dozen postmasters so far. Yes. And are there any changes to what money is on offer in this? For the overturned convictions group, it starts at 600,000, runs into the multiple millions for the worst cases. Sunak did make an announcement on compensation which is a new interim payment for the Bates versus Post Office group of 555 postmasters who Mm. beat the post office in the High Court. 
they will get, I think it's £75,000 straight away. While those final settlements are considered, the deadline has been set by the minister as August this year. But I do understand from lawyers involved in the case that that even that is ambitious because of the complexity of some of these cases. Mm. Thinking about the role of the post office then, also in people's sights when looking for justice at the moment is Paula Venels, who was chief executive of the post office for a good chunk of this time. Who's she? Paula Venels joined the post office in about 2007 as network director, so a sort of, you know, executive, just below executive level. And she was promoted to managing director in 2010, so the most senior role in the post office, and then chief executive in 2012 following the privatisation of Royal Mail. Hmm. She stayed in that role until 2019. It's important to say that the problems with Horizon started before she got to the post office and the system was installed before then. But the reason why she's become a focus is because, as we said before, the story hit the media in 2009, Hmm. just before she arrived in that role. And then she basically presided over a series of what the postmasters claim are cover-ups of the scandal. She must have been involved in the decision to take the postmasters to the High Court and presided over the failed mediation scheme at the same time as that independent investigation, which could have been so important and could have brought the scandal out into the open a few years earlier, was shut down. Mm. So that's why she's taking the heat on this. Paula Venels has, of course, lost her CB this week after that petition and a bit of political pressure as well. What other consequences could she face? We've seen the CB go. She had already given up a number of public jobs, including uh, in the NHS, the Cabinet Office, and in FTSE 250 firms. Now there are calls from some sub-postmasters for her to hand back just over £2 million worth of bonuses that she was awarded through her period at the post office. And the... Postal Affairs Minister yesterday on the radio confirmed that that would be something they look at if the inquiry finds her to be the or a guilty party. So, Mm. as we've said before, you know, we don't fully understand her role in this. We know that she was the head of the ship for some of the scandal. And once that has been ruled on by the inquiry chair, that is something that the government as the post office's shareholder will consider pursuing. And as part of that, she'll have to give evidence to the inquiry, won't she? I mean, are we expecting that? Absolutely. So she will, she'll be appearing later this year, probably in the summer. Yes. Elsewhere, the police have taken an interest in, in what's going on here that um, goes back quite a way. What is the current state of, of the police's investigations into all of this? The police have been involved since 2020 when they received a referral from the High Court judge in the Bates case. And that initial investigation was about perjury relating to two Fujitsu IT experts who were named in the Times earlier this week. That's Gareth Jenkins and Anne Chambers. So that has rumbled on. We we don't know what the status of that investigation is. and, And my inkling is that they have effectively stayed those while the inquiry is going on. And then last week, we had, in my mind, a more significant update, which is they're now considering potential fraud offences within the post office. So we don't know whether that is going to be corporate investigation or whether it's going to be individuals. But like you say, as we've seen so often with other things, the police will what usually wait until the inquiry has reported back and then pick up. 
Well, the police are core participants at the inquiry, so they are watching each and every moment of evidence. And as one inquiry source said to me a couple of weeks ago, the counsel's inquiry, the man who's asking all the questions, is asking exactly the same questions of these witnesses, of these uh, potential defendants, as any police interview would do. Interesting. And on the point of Fujitsu, there was a, a Times leader earlier this week saying that actually... Where are they in all of this, especially when we're talking about compensation? Why is there not justice from them? Why is there not cash from them? Yeah, I mean, Fujitsu have continued to receive massive government contracts. They still have a contract with the post office. You go to your local branch today, the system that they're running on is Horizon. Now, thank goodness they're getting rid of it. And hopefully by the end of next year, 2025, they'll have a new system in place. But they are still receiving millions of pounds to run that system. In terms of any contribution to compensation schemes, the government has made it pretty clear that Fujitsu will be taken to the High Court with a new case saying, look what you've done, look what your system has done. You have to contribute, you know, what could be, I'm sure the claim will run into the mm. hundreds of millions. But what we can say is that, you know, at the heart of Paula Venel's defence to why she didn't get to the bottom of the scandal is that she says she was misled by IT experts. She said that the boss of Fujitsu told her that Horizon was as strong as Fort Knox. So if Fujitsu were telling the post office that their system worked absolutely fine, the post office was carrying out prosecutions on that basis. Mm. Now we've got compensation schemes that could be handing out up to £700 million. That might suggest that Fujitsu will be in a spot of bother come mm. the court case. A word on the politics of this, because that has blown up in an interesting way after all this renewed interest in the case. Sir Ed Davey, how fair are the accusations levelled at him? So one thing that puts him in the frame is that that was a really important period in the scandal. I mean, we discussed the timeline of earlier where 2009 we had that first time it hit the media mm. and then 2010 onwards, MPs started getting involved. So this was the moment when it was coming out into the open and people in positions of power, the chief executive, the managing director, Paul Venels, people like Ed Davey, who was the postal affairs minister between 2010 and 2012, were being told about this for the first time. I mean, in his defence, he was the first minister to meet Alan Bates. The record shows that he had three meetings with the post office at the same time. And he ultimately took the assurances he was receiving from his civil servants in the business department and from Paula Venels mm. that the computer system was, was working and that the um, prosecutions were fair. And I suppose listeners can make their own judgment on whether that's good enough. Post, some postmasters say that this scandal sort of comes in two parts. There's, there's bad actors doing bad things and potentially lying or not fulfilling their prosecutorial duties. And then there's people in positions of leadership and power who failed to ask the right questions, failed to dig deep enough and challenge those below them. Mm. And Ed Davey is one of the people who comes under that bracket. And it is a sort of cross-party complaint because there are also people criticising, well, Rishi Sunak, because when he was Chancellor and something to do with the compensation scheme, but also Sakir Starmer in his role as Director of Public Prosecutions. Just explain what's going on with both of those. So I think the basis of... The criticism of Keir Starmer, if it exists, and I think that it's, I think it's misplaced. I think there is 
something in law which says that the CPS can take over private prosecutions and sometimes it will take them over and, and shut them down, I understand. But the CPS itself only carried out half a dozen prosecutions. Some of those have gone to appeal and been upheld. Not sure if that's rightly or not. Mm. But I think that it's fair to say that you know we have a lot more trust in the CPS to prosecute and carry out its prosecutorial duties properly. I think they do something like eight or 900,000 prosecutions per year. And six of those over a 15-year period were post office prosecutions. So I think with Starmer, you know, at the moment, my view is that the criticism is misplaced. With Rishi Sunak, when he was at the Treasury at the end of that high court case where the settlement came for postmasters, the Bates versus post office case, he was already in the Treasury and became Chancellor about two months later. And the criticism there, which came from the former Postal Affairs Minister Paul Scully, was that there was a three-year delay for that particular group of postmasters to get a compensation scheme. So that was announced in December 22, and the deadline for payments, although I really don't believe it's going to be met, will be August 2024. So that's years of additional delay for them. But to Rishi's credit, other compensation schemes were signed off. So you know we've already seen 2,000 under the flagship scheme receiving money for shortfalls that they paid back. And the uh, scheme for people whose convictions have been overturned has been rumbling along. Just finally, can we end on a word about why we're talking about this at the moment? Is uh, is part of you frustrated that even though we've had years and years of reporting on this, the ins and outs, those harrowing personal stories that you mentioned there, it's an ITV1 drama that has really put the rocket boosters up this. I mean, it's quite incredible, isn't it? Well, I feel like any any progress on the story and the case is to be welcomed. And, you know, I think that the reporting that's been done by me and others has got the wheels in motion. There's been plenty happening behind the scenes Mm. that perhaps hasn't come to the notice of the listeners. You know, compensation schemes have been running. The inquiry's been trundling on. And some of the most sort of blockbuster hearings in that inquiry are going to be this year, including Paula Venels and some of the ministers we've been talking about. So, no, I mean... I was surprised that the drama got the reaction that it did. And it just shows the power of, you know, TV and the arts to give a side to real life events that us as journalists and investigative journalists can't do. Yes. And Tom, before we go, we should mention that you, also a version of you, is in the drama. What was what was your line? Gosh, I have to remember it before you asked me that. <laughs> so this was, you went to go and door knock on someone. So this was after the... After the end of the High Court case, I, yeah. while I was in my old job, I was dispatched to go and see what Paula Venels had to say about the, the settlement and about the scandal. And she had never given any press interviews from memory, maybe once in 2013 or something. Mm. So what she thought about it all was a mystery. Mm. Anyway, she wasn't enormously pleased to see me. Um, I asked her to apologize and she didn't. And um, that very short scene was portrayed in the drama last week. Oh God, what was your line? Something like, will you will you apologise to Postmasters, Mrs. Venels? Mrs. Venels? Paula Venels? Yes? Ned Foster, Daily Mail. Would you like oh, to say anything to the Postmasters who've been through such a long legal battle? No, I, I really find this unacceptable. Would you like to apologise to them? Will you just go away? So you won't apologise no, to them? Go away. Beautiful. The BAFTAs will flow.
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, news and special projects reporter, Tom Witherow. The Times and Sunday Times have been covering this scandal involving Horizon and the post office for years, and you can read all of the coverage, all of the testimony, all of the long reads at thetimes.co.uk if you have a subscription. The producer was Edward Drummond, the executive producer was Kate Ford, and sound design was by Marla Seto. See you tomorrow. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.